This sermon is a slight hiatus on the road of the, the journey out of the lockdown into the new world that we hope to build. It's great to have that vision in front of us. But I said at the time that it would be really good to have a moment, if that's all right, to reflect and to think about all the things that we've lost and the, the bereavement that many people are going through and will be going through in the future because many of us have experienced and are experiencing, will experience levels of deep levels of loss. And being bereaved necessitates paying attention to what's going on in our souls and bodies. One of the um, unintended consequences of being an out of work actor is that it does give you time when the traumas of life come, come calling. And I remain extremely grateful that when my mum and dad died, I was able to have the time um, to say goodbye to them both, to get closure on their, on their leaving, on their dying. And I am at peace with the knowledge that they are at peace. And although I miss them, I'm very grateful for that, that peace, that closure. Getting closure before moving on into the next thing, the next new thing, it's not rocket science. There was a time between the ages of about 25 and 40 when I couldn't stop thinking about my childhood home, not in a bad way. It's just that random thoughts and memories kept jangling around in my head. And then it dawned on me, of course, that I had never said goodbye. I'd never had closure. I'd never said goodbye to my childhood home because I was away at boarding school when we moved and term ended and I, I went to a new home without ever saying goodbye to my childhood home. And so when I finally realised this was what was going on in my psyche, I wrote to the owners of my childhood home just up the road here in Enfield and said, look, well, basically what I've explained to you, can I come and say goodbye to the house where I had grown up as a child? And to my delight and surprise, they rang up and said, yes, come round, come and have tea. So I did. And then the lady of the house said, well, I'll show you round. And it was great because I was able to see the uh, corner of the stairs where I put out my toy soldiers as a little boy. I could see uh, the pane of glass, which I'd broken, now repaired, of course, which I'd broken when I hit a cricket ball through the kitchen window. Uh, the basin where my mum tried to stop my finger from bleeding after I shut it in the toilet door. Um, the area where our dog as a puppy had first thrown up all over the lounge carpet. All these memories, these many memories. And so I looked around the house and then I said goodbye. I shook hands with the owners. Back in the days, of course, when you could shake hands. And I left and I never thought about my childhood home again. I'd had peace, I'd made closure, but I, I could think about it and I do think about it when I choose to, when I want to, but I was able to move on. I haven't, however, been able, and maybe you haven't either, yet been able to move on. With regard to this pandemic, the personal, professional, environmental, global bereavement is just too great, the level of loss. And that's why I wanted that poem by Max Boyce uh, read and performed, because amongst all the many texts and WhatsApp messages that came through at the beginning of lockdown, that was the first one that spoke to my spirit, that seemed to get the right approach to what we were experiencing. And I found it very interesting that such a, a sympathetic 
accurate diagnosis of the situation came from a comic. And it was a reminder, of course, that comedy is born out of truth and uh, a right diagnosis of a, a given situation. That's why we laugh, because, because we recognise the situation, we recognise the absurdity, because it's essentially grounded in truth. And the pain of bereavement puts us in touch with emotions which we may wish weren't there. But pain and anguish and trauma and sadness are there. And I still marvel when I think back to last week's sermons, sermon and I think of the incredible maturity and magnanimity shown by Norman and Jean, the appalling prejudice shown towards their beloved Victoria. I think if I'd been in Norman's shoes, I'd probably be locked up in prison now for violent assault. I wonder if you know those feelings. My friend, the, the playwright Murray Watts, talks very movingly about his time in the Soweto townships of apartheid South Africa. And he says it was there that he learned the full range of human emotion. He, like so many of us, having been brought up to live our lives, to play the notes in one octave and it was there, he says, he learned to play the full range of the octaves, of the emotional octaves, the black notes, the white notes, and we might add the minor key as well. A few years ago, Justin and I produced a rehearsed re reading of a play written by a friend of his, a friend of St Luke's, the Reverend Hugh Jones, and it was a play called A Year in the Death of Molly Price. And it's a play which explores bereavement in, in tragic circumstances and which is structured along the five classic stages of grief. And of course, one of those stages is anger. I don't remember much about the many sessions that I spent talking to a therapist, but I vividly remember the first session when after minutes of tears, I said that I was very angry and when I explained why, to my surprise, the therapist said, well, I'm not surprised you're angry and I don't blame you for one second. And almost at that moment of confession, as it were, the, I experienced closure and stopped beating myself up for being angry. I was able to find closure. I was able to start again and to resume the journey. If you're angry or sad or feeling unloved or irrelevant or unwanted or inept or powerless, then welcome to a very distinguished club, the club that is the human race. If you're not just a bit annoyed by the injustices in the world, like the deaths of George Floyd or the deaths of little children in Syria or the Yemen, if you're not simply irritated by the impending environmental catastrophe or miffed at the indifference of the mega rich to show a smidgen of compassion and empathy towards those they've consciously or involuntarily robbed of their dignity and basic human rights, but rather you feel incandescent with rage, ballistic with outrage, then you join the prophets and the psalmists I could smash their children's heads against a rock, Psalm 137 verse 9, and feel I was doing the right thing. And you join also with one Jesus the Christ, as well as Mr. and Mrs. Wilson of Islington, 
and the marchers for Black Lives Matters Matter, and God will be with you and is with you and has, is with me in my anger. And his presence, God's presence, will console us and comfort us and go with us into the next stage of the journey and save us, make us whole, able better to play our part, even if it means playing all the notes on the keyboard and not just the middle octave. So may that strengthening, guiding, profoundly comforting presence go with us into the new post-lockdown era to build the new world we and God craves. <laughs>